as well. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes things happen to us in life, uh, no matter what our age, that may not look good, may not seem good, might not feel good, but is good. Maybe, you know, we look at a test that we have to take in school, and we realize in order for us to do well in it, we're going to have to study hard, and studying hard doesn't always feel good. It's not always something that we look forward to do. But if we work hard at studying and then we take the test and we find ourselves successful because we've studied hard, we see the good of it. We might not have seen it at the beginning, but we see it at the end. Work can be hard. When the wind's blowing like it's been blowing the last few days, it's hard. And there would be times where it'd be easy to just stay where you are and not buck the wind. But you buck the wind. And you do it for many reasons. But as you work hard, you also realize as you work hard, it has its rewards. We have to work out when we're going to perform in a, in a sport. And if we want to excel in that sport, if we want to uh, defeat the opponent, we got to be better. And if we're going to be better, we're going to have to work at it. And that's not always easy until we've actually succeeded. And then we taste the fruits of the victory. We have failings in life, and we don't always see the rhymes or reasons for them. But perhaps in time, those rhymes and reasons become clear. It's part of the hope that we have as Christians. That we live under a sovereign, saving, supreme, fatherly God who promises us in his word to those who are in Christ that if, uh, if God is for us, who can be against us? And indeed that everything's going to work out in the end for us. And the same thing can be said in an ultimate sense with regard to the cross of Christ. The cross is humiliation. It isn't any fun. Christ feels the foreboding sense of that. His soul's troubled. And yet the cross is glory. It looks like a victory for evil, but it's not. The victory's God's who casts out the ruler of this world by way of all things, the weakness, the cross, of the sun. Things look bad here. They feel bad. But the word of the Lord gives us light to see things clearly, which is so important, isn't it, in all of life. Whenever things don't feel good or look good, the word of the Lord gives us light. Otherwise, like Christ tells us here, if we're not following in the light, we don't know where things are going, and we don't know where we're going, and we don't know what's going on. And we won't have the light and the spiritual eyes to press forward. We won't have the, the light and spiritual eyes to see Jesus as he really is and for what he's done. And our passage makes clear tonight that, that the time has come for glory. The hour has come. Glory of the Father. Glory for the Son, judgment for the world, 
has come, and that as a consequence, all men will be drawn to Christ. And that's because this glory, where is it coming from? It's because of the cross. And it's because of the plans of God in Christ. It's because there's a new order on the horizon, thanks to the cross of Christ. And so we take a, a brief look tonight at, at, uh, at this declaration of Jesus. The hour has come. It's for the glory of the Father. It's really, if I, if I slide in a little uh, point between number one and three, or one and two here, uh, it, the hour that's come is for the glory of the Father. It's under the timetable of the Father. It's under His divine plans that way. It's for the judgment of the world, and it's for the drawing of all men. So we, we get to it. The glory of the Father comes when the Son is glorified, and the Son is glorified when He gives of Himself at the cross. That's the hour that's come. And it's an hour that's come, interestingly enough, when certain Greeks who had come to the feast had asked of Andrew and Philip, we like to see Jesus. The Pharisees had said the whole world had gone after Jesus, and they were unaware of how true that was going to be. At hearing of Greeks wanting to see him, Jesus answers, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And this is the way of glory for the Lord Jesus as the Son of Man, death on a cross. And that's what's troubling Jesus' soul. Why, why wouldn't there be foreboding on the part of Jesus to know that, that your time to die has come? And the kind of death that you're going to die, and the reason that you have to die to bear the sins of your people. But remarkably, in, in that foreboding and in that death, there's glory. The glory is full in this passage. It's, it's all over. It's the glory of his Father. I've glorified my name through the Son already in the incarnation and in the signs and teachings that have come by way of the Son, but there's more yet to come. The cross hardly seems, though, the way that that, that kind of glory can, can happen. Because the cross is humiliating. Cursed is everybody who's hung on a, on a tree. The glory of the sun would seem to be better suited to what was said just earlier. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Political victory over Rome would seem to mark greater glory. But it's the cross instead. It's, it's death that looks like the loser's way. In fact, not only is that sacrifice the way of glory for him at this hour, it is to be seen as the way of glory for everyone who serves and follows the Lord and Savior. If anyone were to serve me, let him follow me. Because God would honor those who would follow Christ's lead in service. And what a lead that is. Self-sacrifice for the many. Better for one man to die for a nation than the whole world or the whole nation should perish. It's not pleasant. It looks entirely wrong. It doesn't look like the way it's supposed to be. Wasn't the Christ supposed to stay forever? And now you speak about being lifted up on a cross? Where's the glory in that? It doesn't look good. It won't feel good. It hurts to think about it. But this sacrifice is good. 
And this service is not worthless. And this death carries out the will and plans of the Father. It brings glory to the Father. The hours come for that. And in bringing glory to the Father, the Son receives it also. And how do we know that the cross of Christ is good? It's not just by the testimony of Christ himself. It's the testimony of the Father in heaven who confirms it. I have glorified my name, and I will glorify it. People probably didn't understand that very well at the time, did they? But the voice from heaven confirmed that the Father approved of the death of Christ. And through that death, his name would be exalted, and sin would be judged, and the Father's will fulfilled, and the righteousness God required would be accomplished. Those whom the Father had given to the Son would be saved. The Father would be glorified. And outside of the light of Christ, the death of Christ is viewed in the opposite tones. It's viewed as absurd by the darkness of man. Why does Christ need to die? We thought he would be here forever when he'd come. Where is the glory in death? We're, we're, especially crucifixion. We're, we're going to think that that we're going to think that way if if, if we have a self-absorbed heart and attitude, though. Right? We love our lives. The very thing from which Jesus, or which Jesus went to the cross to atone, giving of yourself through humiliation cannot lead to glory. So we think. Following then that way of self-sacrifice so that we might know honor, giving of ourselves, following and serving the Savior. Is that really the way to honor? Is that really the way to glory? Isn't there a bypass? That's why Christ died. That's why he gave of himself to take away the punishment of self-absorption and move us away from self-absorption to a life of serving him. Because that's where the honorable life is, isn't it? That's where it is in your house. That's where it is in your work. That's where it is in your school. That's where it is in your community. That's where it is with your relationships in your home, outside of it. That's where the honor is before God. The honorable life is serving Christ. For honoring Christ in service is honored by God the Father. Our passage says that. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. What a blessed way. What an honorable way to live. The death of Christ is never to be viewed as worthless or absurd. And it's never worthless or absurd for you or me to serve Christ. To sacrifice and to be self-sacrificing. The world thinks 
you're crazy for that. And you're tempted to think that yourself, as I am. But you never have to regret serving Christ and being sacrificial like he. As you think about the kind of sacrifice that Christ has accomplished, because his sacrifice and his death accomplished so much. We, we read about it earlier in Romans. Reconciliation, atonement, redemption, and the transforming of people from being condemned to justified to living lives that were dead to lives that are alive. It was a death that took away the sin of his people and made them right with God for all those who would receive him. And, and there's nothing worthless about that. That's what you and I are called to believe. There is no vanity, but only glory in the cross. We heard that in the piano a while back, not that long ago, in the cross. Be my glory ever. No, there's, there's no vanity. There's nothing worthless about the cross of Christ. It's glory for the Father. It's glory for the Son. And it's spiritual change for his people that reflects the service of Christ and is honored by the Father. That's what we're to confess when we see the glory of the cross of Christ. The hour has come, says Christ. Should I say, save me from this hour? Well, who would he be saying that to but to the Father? Because he's the one who set it up. It was an hour planned from heaven. This was the Father's hour. And that's important to know. It was, it was the plan of the Father all along for this hour to come. This is no surprise to the Father. This is no surprise to Christ. The cross of Christ is an hour divinely planned and controlled. We read it in Romans just at the right time. It's not an unexpected hour to the divine Son of God nor to his Father. It's unexpected to the world. We read that, don't we? What? The Son has to die? The Christ has to die? It's unexpected to the world because it doesn't think it needs that kind of death. But God knows better, and he always does. That hour is an hour under the direction of the Lord. The betrayal, the trial, the mocking, the scourging, the silence, the testimony, the words on the cross, the, the title above the cross, the darkness, the earthquake, even the plotting against the Lord and his anointed. That's not under sin's domain. And there's no kicking and screaming of the Savior to his death, nor will any of the details fail to come to pass, all for the Father's glory. I've glorified my name and I will glorify it. Make no mistake about it. Nothing's going to stand in the way of my plans. And I am greater than sin and all who oppose me. And though humanity would seek to profane my name from the beginning, it has and it will be glorified. By the incarnation of Christ, by his teaching and signs, and it will be to completion. Nothing gets in the way of that. And that's why the hour has come according to plan. The hour of the cross where the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Nobody standing in its way. 
Hope and joy belong to those who, through faith, see the cross as the hour of God's sovereign plan for glory. Because it testifies to us, as does all Scripture, that God is in charge, not evil. The cross is not evil's hour, ultimately. It's God's hour for his glory, for the benefit of those he loves. And he and his own will not be denied. Because of the cross, nothing in all creation is going to separate us from the communion of God in Christ. And that communion supper that we're having tonight reminds us and assures us of that as well as it reminds us of that hour long ago that testified to the truth that God in His glory and His saving mercies and in His plans for salvation and for His name to be glorified, He would not be denied. Because this is God's hour, it's the world that's judged. It's not Jesus. Now we hear in our passage, now is the judgment of this world. It's in the hour that has come. It looks like the Lord Jesus is about to be judged by the world at the cross. And that's what the world thinks. That it's under the it's the one that's judging Christ. But in reality, it's the world that's judged by the cross. Because good is not defeated at the cross. Evil is. And we may think of the judgment of the world as something that happens at the end of times, but in one sense, the cross is an end of times event. The cross is a climactic moment. It is worldliness that's crucified here and the depravity of the human heart. It's the power of sin over Adam's race that's broken here. It's condemned. It's put to death. And now a new race under the banner of the last Adam will no longer be condemned. But they'll know and enjoy a, a new life. It, it's a judgment on the sin that has plagued this world out of which a new world where righteousness reigns will take its place. The cross is a doom certificate for the old order. A new creation replaces it in the hearts of those who receive Christ, but also over the world which God, over which God reigns in due time. The ruler of this world will be cast out. And you notice the terminology, the ruler of this world. He had a power over the nations, but no longer. You got Greeks, you got Gentiles. Greeks will see Jesus and they'll behold his saving, sovereign, and divine glory. That's the battle Jesus came to wage. This is the battle that he's won. And that's why the gospel comes to us. So that through faith in Christ, we wouldn't be found on the losing side, but so that we would see the glory of the Lord as Savior and King and the victory He brings to our lives. And you see, that's why the gospel needs to be spread, and that's why it, it, it can, because the hours come. And that's why Jesus says that when He's lifted up at the cross in glory, mind you, He'll draw all men to Himself. Now, he's not going to draw every single person, but he is going to draw every kind of person, rich and poor, black and white, Jew and Gentile, young and old, man, woman, slave, free, whatever legitimate distinctions that you can make. That's what the coming of this hour also did and does, because we all need his atoning death. 
no matter who we are. And we all need our healing by looking to the cross, even as the people of Israel in the desert needed to look up to the bronze snake for healing. There's healing, spiritual healing for us at the cross of Christ. And without that confession, then we remain in the darkness, says Jesus, and we don't know where we're going in life, and that's too bad. That's sad. But, but with it, we have the light of life, and we can know the joy of God's leading in Christ. Certainly, we're reminded of that healing and light also at the communion table as we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. We're assured, we're reminded that, that the Lord has saved us and, and it's going to lead us in the paths that we don't know. His light directs our paths in the ways of righteousness in his word, and we're assured of the light of light that has shone on us for now and forever, drawn to that light in life by the glory of the cross. Yes, the cross may not look good, but it is good. Divinely planned, the work of the cross brings glory to the Father, whose will is obeyed by the Son, The work of the cross is glory for the Son as he self-sacrifices for his people. And he casts out the ruler of this world and draws all people to himself. Well, may we find the glorious cross drawing us through faith in Christ's forgiveness of us. And may we find ourselves in turn drawn by this glorious Savior to serve him always so that we might know the honor of the Father in our lives as his children in Christ. One thing certain, when we see the service of Christ, when we see the service that we've been called to carry out in light of his service to us, we find that whether it's the service of Christ to save us, or the service we've been called to give, wherever God places us as his children, none of that service is worthless. And all of that service is truly fruitful when we're children in Christ. Let's uh, draw near.